Please be seated, and uh, as you do so, uh, turn your Bibles to First uh, John chapter 3, and uh, we will be looking at that first paragraph. Uh, just a quick point. Uh, normally, we should have been going through Ephesians, but I think it just made sense that in view of the deaths that have occurred among us, uh, especially that we have not yet even had the actual burial, that uh, we should take a moment to reflect on what the Lord has done um, among us in taking away uh, not only our brother, uh, Mr. Gamaliel Lupunga, but also one of our members of staff, uh, Austin Mwenya. And then also in the course of the week, we, we heard of the uh, accident that took place, uh, which took away some children from uh, family legacy. Uh, I mean, clearly you can't just say, you know, Ephesians chapter 3, let's continue. Uh, something has happened. Uh, they are what we call warning shots. Now, before I proceed, I, I noticed that when our deacon was talking about the preacher this afternoon, he simply mentioned his name, and I thought that it would be important to tie that in as well. Uh, Brian Bogman, who is preaching for us here uh, today is somebody who has preached here before. But soon after he left this place, in fact, he almost died. He almost died. He, he uh, had cancer that was a growth in his brain. And it's just that it was discovered in America rather than Zambia. And so his brain was, uh, his skull was opened up and they managed to get that uh, growth out and consequently his life has been saved. Literally every year when his birthday comes around, he feels as if it's borrowed time. That uh, it's bonus that has been uh, given to him. So this is now his next visit to our part of the world, and uh, he comes at a time when the church is in a state of mourning. And so I am looking forward to hearing his, his message of uh, uh, encouragement and comfort and consolation to us. So let me get back to where I was, because uh, um, we were talking about warnings that uh, are the theme of our service today. And I just thought about warning shots. Uh, a warning shot is, is um, somebody who is firing his gun, but is firing his gun out of love for you. And so instead of firing 
at you, he initially fires in the air so that you can desist from what you are about to do. So maybe you were running away. And instead of him shooting directly at you to stop you running away, which may cost you your life, he shoots somewhere else so that you stop in your tracks. You desist from continuing. Or perhaps you were about to steal something or you were about to kill someone. Again, instead of firing at you, the person fires elsewhere. And therefore, you stop in your tracks. And often when death strikes, but it doesn't strike you, it strikes somebody else, if you are responsible enough, you should ask yourself the question, what if that was me? What if that funeral gathering is a funeral gathering about me? Now, granted, with respect to Mr. Gamaliel Lupunga, you may say, well, he was an old man. He was 80 years old. You may say, well, yeah, 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 I don't mind, you know, when I'm 80. But as I said, we've had a number of other deaths, not just him. Uh, the staff worker, for instance, who died this week, was in what we would call midlife. He was a young man working among us here. Or, as we said about the children that have just been taken away in, uh, at uh, Family Legacy, they were young children, very young children. They've gone. Well, perhaps with Mr. Lupunga, there, there, there was a bit of time because he died from a prolonged illness, cancer. But uh, the young man who was working here, from what I've been told, he, he felt pain. And he was rushed to the hospital and died. He was okay. He felt pain. And that was it. The day began well and ended is gone. Or think of the children who were killed earlier this week. Some of a speeding vehicle loses control, turns over and bumps into them. And that's it. A few seconds before, they would not have guessed whatsoever that in the next few seconds I'm gone. And then that news comes to us. It's basically saying, this is a warning shot. That God does not owe any one of us an extra day or two. 
but that we should ask ourselves, what if that was me? Or the disasters that we've come to hear about in both Morocco and uh, Libya just this week, that have swept tens of thousands of individuals to death. That's huge. Again, we are hearing about it here. It's not us. We are alive today as we are listening to God's word. But it's still a warning shot that makes us pause to ask the question, what if it was me? Well, if we are truly Christians, the message is that we have hope. We have an eternal hope that should enable us to face death victoriously, to prepare for it as if we are merely preparing for a journey. Just a journey. And this is what John says here in First uh, John chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, and this is where we are beginning from. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And then that last verse, and everyone who thus hopes in him, who has this kind of hope, the Christian hope, purifies himself as he is pure. I think all of us who are Christians must thank God that we can arrive on that moment that so many people have arrived at this week and do so with a great sense of victory. Almost as though it is a graduation day. That now all the storms of life are over. I am now about to graduate into that which I have been preparing for. Eternity with my father and my spiritual elder brother. What a blessing that is. What a blessing. That surely separates us from everybody else on this planet. That we can be like that. That we can go like that. When we are about to face the very last enemy. Death. As we look at this text, there are at least three thoughts that I want us to 
look at and not so much wrestle with, but process, enjoy as it were, um, as we, we, we reflect on what has recently happened among us. Number one, it is that God expects us, if we are truly Christians, to know that we are Christians now. Now. That it's not something that should be left to guesswork. But that right now, as you're sitting in that chair, that you should be able to say, my sins are forgiven. I'm now a child of God. I'm going to heaven if I die. That's what we see at the beginning of verse 2. John, in writing this letter, is primarily writing a letter of assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation. He says in uh, chapter 5 and verse 13, chapter 5 and verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's why it's written this letter. That you may know that you have eternal life. And this is what he is touching in verse 2 of chapter 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. We are God's children now. Or, if we are to put in the literal translation, it is, beloved, now we are God's children. The emphasis is on the now. Sadly, a lot of people, that's not their view of Christianity. Their view of Christianity is that you, you, you get to really know after you die, that actually you were a true child of God. That God had really forgiven you of all your sins after you die, they say. That while you are here on earth, all of us should just try our best. That's all we do. We try our best through keeping away from bad things, we try our best through going to church and participating in church activities. We try our best through giving to the poor, attending funerals, and so on and so forth. Then on the judgment day, God will take our good deeds and weigh them against our bad deeds and if the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, then he will accept us into his heaven. If our bad deeds outweigh our good deeds, then we go to hell. And so we just try our best. Friends, that's not the teaching of the Bible. The teaching of the Bible is this. That you know now that your sins are forgiven. That you know now that you are a child of God. Beloved, we are God's children now. Or as I've already said 
Now we are God's children. We read in chapter 2, towards the end, I'll begin from verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Here it is, verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. In other words, has been born again. If your life has known a moral transformation, you are no longer an individual who loves sin and, and, and dwells in sin, however private it might be. That moral transformation is not your own doing. It cannot be. It is as a result of God giving you his own nature. He's given birth to you, his spiritual birth, so that you are now like him. You have become a child of God. What a glorious truth this is. To be God's child. This is not just my sins are forgiven. This is that I now have a special relationship with the creator of the universe. With the one who governs the whole of time. Uh, the one who will one day sit in judgment that I have a very special relationship with him, even now. You know the way in which children of, of very rich people want to be known by their parents? Eh? mischief with friends at school and, and those friends want to beat him up. He, he quickly wants to let you know what will happen when he calls his father. And he reminds you, I am so and so's child. Touch me and you will see. And off you go in, in your anger because you are afraid. Or the way in which they say, you don't know me, eh? Don't know me. And then instead of telling you who he is, he tells you who his father is. <laughs> because it means so much to belong to such a parent. Well, here it is now. Now we are God's children. Now, God is governing the whole of time, the events in your life, the events in the life of the nation and of the continent and of the world with you in mind. Because he's your father. You are his child. 
What a privilege. This is not something you leave to chance, we'll find out after we die kind of thing. You want to know now. So that in this world, therefore, you can have a, a, a spring in your steps. Because you know that come wind, come rain, come whatever the circumstances, this is my father's world. I'm his child now. Now, if there's something that God has deprived me of, he's my father. He knows why he's deprived me of it. He's my father. I still then will rejoice in this life because he is my father. What a privilege. What a privilege. You know, let me ask a question. Have I described you today? Have you come to realize that this is who I am? So I'm not left alone in this world. Yes, once upon a time, that's the way I was. But one time I came to this God in genuine repentance and faith. He's made me his child. And since then, I am not eaten away by worry and complaints and envy of other people because what a privileged person I am. The owner of the entire universe has made me his child. Now. Now. Is that you? But let's hurry on. Secondly, to the fact that, first of all, we are his children now. But secondly, we have something better that's coming. Something more glorious that awaits us. Hence the title of my sermon, The Christian Hope. The Christian hope. Back to our text. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. I love the statement but we know. I love that. We know. Because that's what makes the difference. It is the fact that we know. We are like an individual who is yet to graduate, but is finished. And the lecturers have made it clear that he has passed. He, he, he's already full of joy. He hasn't gone on to the graduation podium yet, but he's already full of joy. Why? Because 
He knows. He knows. Well, like an individual who has been promoted, he's been given his letter of promotion, and it says there that his salary has doubled. He begins to behave right now as if he's already got his salary. Yeah. He even starts saying, you know, uh, so next month, eh, after the month end, we will be going to Livingstone. Eh? We'll go and see the Victoria Force. We'll stay in the five-star hotel and so on. He's already dreaming. Why? It's because he knows. He knows. It's a matter of time it will be realized. Friends, that's what it is with us as Christians. Yes, now we are God's children. Now we can say for sure that God is handling life with us in mind. But we also know better things are coming. Better things are coming. And the best is that we will be like Jesus. We will be like Jesus. Turn with me quickly to two passages of scripture. One is Romans 8. Romans 8. For those of you who missed out when I was preaching through Romans, chapter 8. Oh, first of all, Romans is the the most powerful letter in the whole Bible. The whole Bible. Chapter 8 is the most powerful chapter in that powerful book in the whole Bible. Chapter 8. It, it just touches notes that are heavenly. It's difficult now to say which verse in chapter 8 is the most glorious one. It's very difficult. First of all, you feel like verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ah, that's glorious. Then you, you hit verse 28. We'll be looking at verse 29 in a moment. But we'll read verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Can anything be more glorious than that? Uh -uh. You get to um, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can, can anything be higher than that? God is on my side. As if that's not good enough. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, strictly speaking, there's nothing like being more than a conqueror. There's nothing. You either conquer or you don't conquer. There's nothing like, yes, I've more than conquered. 
what's that? But the point that is being made here is this, that even conquering is an understatement compared to what God has done for us. It's a complete understatement. Therefore, we are more than conquerors. It's like what we were learning the other time about Paul saying, I am less than the least. Less than the least. Who's under the least? There's nobody. Because the least is the least. But again, he's saying, the way I feel that to say I'm the least is an understatement. It's even lower than the least. Now, he is saying, to say we are conquerors is an understatement. We are more than conquerors. But verse 29. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, he predetermined that they will be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Brethren, Jesus at one time was made like us. He was born in this world. He looked exactly the way we look. If you were to meet Jesus in those days, you wouldn't have looked at him twice. He was as ordinary as ordinariness can be. And that's why when Judas betrayed him, he had to kiss him to identify him. Otherwise, as people often say, they would have arrested Peter instead because he talked too much. He was as ordinary as any ordinariness could be. But here's the point. He went to heaven and was given a glorified body. He now shines brighter than the sun. Brighter than the sun. That's the way he shines. Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. I begin from verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We shall be like him. We will shine brighter than the sun in its noonday strength. Our bodies that even now still have the root of sin within them and consequently tend to drag us in the wrong direction, in the direction of sin, that will be completely over. 
they will now be completely renewed as our own spirits have been renewed so that with all that we are, we will live for God. Now I know some people, the, the main thing that they think about in the next life is uh, streets of gold and mansions. That's what they think about the most. I want to suggest to you that if you're a real Christian, what you think about the most is this. To defeat selfishness and sin in my life. That I want to be free. Free. I want to be able to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. That's what I want. And I know that every day I fail to do that. Lord, when shall I be able to live like this? That day is coming. That's the Christian's hope. That one day I will love the Lord with an unseeing heart. I will worship the Lord with no thoughts straying to other worldly things. No. I will serve the Lord with all my being, everything about me. There's no reserving something for, for something else. No, it is going to be him and him alone. So to to have that desire finally met, that's heaven enough for me. You can take your gold, you can take your mansions if you want, but to be able to finally go from sanctification to glorification, from partial salvation to complete salvation, that is the best hope that you can ever promise a true Christian. Let me hurry on to the third thought. So the first is that God wants you to know now that you are a child. Now. Not gambling. Now. Now. Number two, that there's something better for you that awaits you. He wants you to know that. And we know. And the something better is to be like him. To be like Christ in his glorified state. And number three, the last thought, is that if this is true about you, it will be seen in your life today by the way in which you deliberately want to become more and more like Jesus now. The last verse, back to our text. <clears throat> and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. In other words, 
you it's it's the fulfillment of something that has already begun that has already begun that in this life you are already a person who is working hard at your own sanctification your own growth in grace that's that's the evidence you know the way the lord works with us when you get saved the day you get saved there is a freedom from sin that you experience that is amazing you you want the whole world to know that the man i used to be i'm no longer that way your specific sins your darling sins you are liberated from them the, the desires are actually gone you can't believe it yourself you say so so this is what it means to be a christian and you are there rejoicing but that's a honeymoon period it's this short it's not long before the honeymoon period is over and you just find at first you get disturbed we just find katempa ah, we just find ah, greed is coming back again you you want this you want that you know the very things that you 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 thought you, you know no, no, i've left these worldly worldly things ah, ah, you begin to to regrab you find ah, gossip is sweet once again eh? now eh? you are back into gossip again and you know it 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 affects you that ah, i thought i defeated this altogether you find you, your eyes are going back into pornography you are wanting to to whether it's turning magazines or, or going to those pornographic sites or, or whatever else it might be again you 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 are and you say, how how can i get back to to this field how you find yourself telling lies you then begin to question was i really saved or maybe it was just i deceived myself it was just temporal perhaps it, 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 it wasn't the real thing because if i am saved why am i wrestling with these things the truth is that is now the real christian life the honeymoon is over it's like marriage isn't it you get married and then okay the bedtime stories say they lived happily ever after but <laughs> ask married people i'll tell you that that's just to get children to go to sleep the honeymoon yes everything was very very nice if you're 
new wife or new husband steps on your toe. <laughs> honey, honey. Sorry, I've put my foot under your foot. <laughs> Honeymoon. But soon, honeymoon is over. You begin to deal with the real issues of life. And that's the way it is with the Christian life as well. That the Lord has given you your honeymoon. Now let's get on to business. Deal with those darling sins. Put them to death. Whatever belongs to your sinful nature, put them to death. And so on. You see the Bible constantly telling us to do so. You begin to read the Bible. You begin to pray. You begin to go to church specifically that God might enable you to have victory over your sins. And that goes on in incremental stages. Becoming more and more godly. It will. And not because you've hit 80 years old. Remember what we said at the beginning. It could be midlife. It could be while still very young. None of us know. I mean, those thousands that have been swept away into death in North Africa, trust me, a few moments before they had no clue that their end had come. No clue. In other words, make sure that you start living today with a Christian hope. Today with a Christian hope. Make sure that you close in with God by closing in with Christ. Make sure he is your true hope and your only hope. Amen.